0: right. What's up, y'all? Hope everybody is well.
1: That's right. Welcome to the Onyx Report. Y'all know what it is. On a beautiful October 20th. Hope everybody is having a good one. Just trying to check my sounds, make sure everything is coming through nice and crisp. All right, we uh, are trying to get it done in a little bit more of a timely fashion. We're going to see how well we do with that. But uh, yeah, greetings. Welcome to the Onyx Report, where we as black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. Uh, Hopefully going to have a good one today. I'd like to get some feedback from people in the crew, most particularly the comments. We are broadcasting on multiple Channels today. Uh, We're broadcasting on interlightradio.com. We're broadcasting on uh, YouTube and of course on Facebook. So before we jump in, uh, as usual, I, I would like to thank my supporters. So let me go ahead and jump in and do that. Here we go.
0: So shout out to my supporters, Uh, uh, definitely much appreciation
1: uh, on my part uh, for your support of the show. And uh, for those of you that have not done so, please make sure you do the same. Support the show right there on the screen. You can see the Patreon links, the Cash App link, the PayPal link, the Venmo. Um, You can also become a member of the channel. Go ahead and click the join button. Uh, right next to the subscribe button. And I hope you've subscribed. Uh, please make sure you like, share, uh, subscribe, join, and donate to support the show. You can also become a member on YouTube and check out the different membership levels. Uh, you also can go to Patreon, um, and you can see the Patreon link uh, Patreon link right below my video image. Uh, you can go there and become a member there and support the channel. You can also support the Institute for Black Male Studies at that link as well so just wanted to get some of that business out the way um and some gratitude been an interesting week uh let me see let me shout out some of the people i'm seeing in the comments section uh busier and i guess it is um hope you're well nicholas what's happening mr z uneducated lane what's going on joe's uh brian uh, what's happening? Let's see Chris Blue, very little. What's going on? Um, Neil, I believe. Tim Howard, what's up? Uh, I'm listening. What's happening, Ron? Uh, Jayvon, JJ Mars, Brother Mwata. What's happening? All right. So you have a number of people in here. Malika, it's always good to see you, man. Aqua what's happening? Brotherly Love, what's going on? Brother D, Tim Howard. Yeah, what's happening? Peace to the crew hope everybody is well right on this beautiful day Let's see we got a number of things to jump into but um you know first let me say i have not I, I don't know for some reason i haven't slept too much i think part of the reason i don't know why this bothered me but i was up watching uh i watched uh hoarders for the first time and I have no idea why. What's up, Golden Child? What's up, Hybrid? Um, 3,000. Appreciate that support. Uh, 3,000. Yeah, man, I was up. I watched, uh, yeah, I watched uh, Hoarders. That mess freaked me out. Absolutely freaked me out. And I could not sleep. Don't ask me why. I mean, it was just, it was so filthy. I just, I could not sleep. (laughs) I was actually up bleaching the bathroom counters at 3. I have no idea why it affected me so much but it was disgusting and uh, I mentioned it on Facebook and of course uh, my supporters response to that was to send me a bunch of links to other episodes which uh, further freaked me out so So I made my son sit and watch it and we both sat there and freaked out so you know I don't know it's been a weird week I'll leave it at that but I'm glad to be here you know all in all um, oh, hybrid says my mom is a hoarder. Uh it's rooted in a mental illness. Absolutely. It is. And I'm convinced after watching those episodes, man. And I realize in hindsight that I've met a few hoarders, but there's a difference between being a hoarder and being somebody who hold on one second. Um, somebody who is uh you know has feces all over the house. You know, those are two very different things. Two very different levels. all right all right yeah anyway what's up queen kalila good to see you hope all is well with you but yeah i've known a few hoarders and and it's only in hindsight that i recognize that they were but there's a difference between having clutter and then and then having a whole nother level where your your home is like a biohazard you know and that's you know so that was definitely a trip to watch anyway Let's get into some of the the preliminary stuff i definitely wanted to say before we jump into today's topic uh y'all know we celebrate black men over here so we do so by uh starting with our sacred black masculine series and this is basically an acknowledgement of black men who are who have done something that i think is is definitely worthy of acknowledgement whether it's celebrated publicly or not right so today you no, know, I have not watched a whole lot of verses battles. I definitely watched one that happened just a few days ago. If you're not familiar, this was the uh, verses that took place between Big Daddy Kane and KRS-One. Um, uh, phenomenal verses, I just gotta say, loved it. I am, uh, you know, hey, I'm a golden era, uh, uh, you know, hip hop lover. It is what it is. You know what I mean? If you come around my house uh, at any point in time and you hear music blasting it's a good chance you're going to hear me blasting something from, you know, somewhere anywhere from 87 to 95, you know, this is what it is. As I said, you know, so I love that classic era and it was good to see these brothers, you know, up there. It was definitely, it was definitely some moments where you say, yeah, hip hop has definitely gotten older, you know, uh, seeing Kane trying to keep up with some of the old, old dance steps. It was, it was, you know you know chris came out with that belly you know it is what it is you know plus a year and a half of sitting at home a lot of these brothers couldn't perform so i know you know they were they were trying to get back out there and make some money but it was it was a beautiful show but here's the thing more than it being just a show more than it being just a battle for um who was the best you know, because in in regard to that, I think most people have been waiting to see Kane and KRS. I mean, excuse me, uh, Kane and and, and Rakim go at it. And I think Ra was more interested in, uh, I won't say more interested, but he was definitely saying that if he was going to do it, it needed to be some serious paper involved. And I don't think uh, anybody ever came up with the money for that. But what I liked about this was, and the reason I'm I'm framing it in terms of the sacred masculine, is these brothers took a competitive framework like versus and turned it into a celebration of hip-hop straight up they turned they took it i mean the emphasis began with one against the other but by the end of it you were jumping up and down celebrating hip-hop some of the people that came out i mean you know they the people that brought out to you know at various points djs dancers uh other you know mcs People out of the audience. It, it was it man. It was it was all like Joel's saying in the comment section. It was all good vibes. You know what I mean? And that's really what I want to see in a verses, man. I want to see a celebration. I don't always want to see two people going at it. It is what it is. I mean, everybody wants something different. um You know, I think in many ways, Kane, is, you know, is incredibly lyrical. As we all know, he's a hurricane unto himself. Chris has an amazing catalog, and I've had the honor of having him here. At Fresno State uh, and seeing him perform live, and and actually he taught a couple of classes while we were here as well. Um, you know, a few, a few people you know tried to jack me for my video. <laughs> and if you look up uh, KRS one at Fresno State, you'll see it on other people's channel, but it's actually my video <laughs> of the event that I threw at my campus. Nevertheless, it is what it is. Um, but no, the celebration of hip hop is what I really appreciated, and for me. This was almost a master class on what a versus can be beyond just the competitive one-on-one element which was there you know but but well, even that was kind of different because they didn't compete just as two you know uh, mcs they also competed as two old friends two old friends that are brothers so there's some shit talking <laughs> there was there was some back and forth little antagonism but then there was love there was respect you know i mean kane told the story of when Chris and um, Miss Melody actually came to his house and helped him move, you know what I mean? It don't get more more personal than that. It is what it is. So you have these two, you know, these two guys who've known each other since the late '80s, um, having a respect for one another while at the same time competing, but then turning the whole thing into a celebration of hip hop. So yeah, the b boys come out and they start dancing, um, and they're doing their thing. And the next thing you know, you're seeing some. And the only reason I don't re- I really want to drop the names of the surprise guests they had come out is because for those of you that haven't seen it you know i really want you to be surprised because i know i was i know i was some of the people that came out i was completely shocked by okay Uh, all right my computer likes to act up anyway so i was completely shocked by and although i'm usually the one to spoil things uh, i'm not going to spoil this if you haven't watched the verses Go back and check it out, and and if you're a classic hip-hop lover, you will have some surprises in there that I think uh, you guys uh, will dig, you know what I mean, straight up. So uh, check that out. Um, Some of the songs in there definitely bring back memories, and for those who weren't alive at that time, you might find some songs that uh, you might want to go back and listen to just to, you know, feel it out, because you might hear something that you've never heard. Um, So it was a beautiful celebration and for those of you that hip-hop lovers um check it out so shout out to these uh you know towering mcs classic artists who reminded us what true hip-hop is i'm saying the battle is definitely part of the dynamic but it wasn't limited to just the competition it also brought in so many of the other elements of hip-hop that you definitely had to nod your head and at times laugh out loud if you weren't rhyming along with both of them at different points in time you know what i mean so Straight up celebration, 136 watching. Again, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel if you would, uh, so we can continue to do what we do. All right, so moving forward, a little bit of a public service announcement, right? This was a bit random as well. Um, now I'm gonna ask those in my comments section from my sci-fi heads, uh, especially those of you that have not been on my Facebook page recently, can y'all tell me whose house this is? So I'm going to put that out there to my 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 comment section. See how many sci-fi heads we have in here. It should be a fairly easy one uh, for those that are watching. Whose house is this? <laughs> nah, Valeri, it definitely ain't mine. <laughs> it's not mine. But, uh, oh, Malaika's, Malaika's warming up. All right? Anybody else know? No, not the Goonies. What other, whose other, I mean, who else in sci fi lore can we think of whose house that was? Shout out to Max Soul. And Mogul Maze, both of y'all pulled it out. Definitely. Joel did the same. War Child Games. Poltergeist. Absolutely. This was the house from Poltergeist. Uh, P. West said Coneheads. No, nah, I, didn't, I didn't go that far into the, to the crates, uh, but, you know, good one. Yeah, this was the house from Poltergeist. And this was the house from E.T. And I was watching Poltergeist the other night and had a bit of a revelation that I just wanted to share. It's a little bit of a public service announcement, right? I bought a house here in Fresno a couple of years ago and I've been fairly lackadaisical about it. You know, I've been almost indifferent and I really, I didn't know why. So as I was watching this, now mind you, Poltergeist and ET both came out in 1982. So when I was watching Poltergeist the other day, I realized something. Part of the reason I've been indifferent about my own purchase, and you know things of that nature was because growing up, I was about eight years old when this came out. And I remember seeing a lot of different movies coming out with this kind of white suburban life, you know, kind of being portrayed as normal, as as a somewhat of a regular thing, a standard almost uh, for how you should be living. And this is a legacy in media we still see. I, I go through this with my students all the time. we watch shows, we watch movies we study them, we break them down. One of the things we always talk about is is the way in which these media presentations portray where these characters live as some kind of norm. And they're usually... Appreciate that, thank you uh, for the support, Jarvis. They're usually living in places that uh, most Americans can't afford, but you really don't get that sense if this is all you see. And for a good portion of time, this is one of the things we saw. And and it's similar to, you know, watching the Cosby show uh, growing up as a kid. If you're not, you know, from the East Coast, let alone New York, and you've never seen a brownstone, you really don't have a sense of just how expensive that is. You know what I mean? Just like these houses here. And these were the houses, again, that I grew up watching. Now, I grew up in the Bay. So I'm born in Brooklyn, raised in the Bay. Um, And in the Bay... I actually had white friends and they were exclusively white, you know, because I you know, went to a public school. But, you know, the white kids that were there, sometimes we'd go over each other's houses and things. I had white friends that lived in houses like these. Now, we didn't, you know, my family didn't, but I always saw them, you know, so I saw them on TV and then I would only see, you know, some certain white friends, not all of them, but certain white friends living in spots like this. And what I'm getting at here is I realized at some point that this became like a standard in my head for what it meant when I have, when I'm doing well, when I'm arrived. And this would be something that I strive for. I never actually asked if I needed this much house, uh, whether or not it it suited my long-term goals, whether it suited my monetary monetary goals. I, I never asked any of those questions. I just, you know, kind of mindlessly drove to this because i had developed this as some type of norm and so one of the things that i came to was having reflected on this um i can tell you right now i at this point i don't even want. what's up barry appreciate that support i don't even want stairs like this you know what i mean (laughs) in my my current condition walking around upstairs is not something i really want to do for the next 30 years so You know, upon reflecting on it, one of the things I just wanted to put out as a public service announcement is, you know, to, you know, for the most part, appreciate what you have. Right. Before you before you make mindless purchases based off of irrational, childish uh, ideas you may have been dragging along for the last, you know, X number of years like I was actually stop and ask yourself what your goals are, why you have them, where they come from. Are they worthy of your energy? really assess if your goals the goals you had at eight, five, you know nine years old, ten years old, whatever, do they fit the lifestyle you actually want? You know what I mean, as opposed to just blindly pushing towards something that you don't know why uh aside from the fact that you know only a fraction of Americans can afford these spots, you can find yourself getting into one and you may realize it doesn't really suit the lifestyle you want. you know what I mean, and so when I was watching this, I realized this is not even something I want. But it was a standard that I held on to for a long time based on movies I watched as a kid. And so at the end of the day, you know, just be real. Be real about what works for you, what you really want in life, what you don't. And, you know, I'm not saying lie to yourself. This is your goal. Make it your goal. Do what you got to do to get it. But I just realized I had a goal that had nothing to do with what I really wanted. It just had something to do with something I saw as a kid. And sometimes we can do that. We can drag along ideas that we hold on to unconsciously, and they, they carry weight in our modern life, and we don't really assess that weight. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to kind of share that with you real quick because I realized some people can really be killing themselves to make dreams happen that they haven't really reflected on. And it ain't always useful, it's not always necessary. You know what i'm saying so be mindful of that uh shout out to bgs i see you in the comment section man hope you're well thanks for sharing the show as usual appreciate that support So yeah man i just wanted to kind of put that on the table because i i realized that uh this is one of those things that you know you can drag on for years and never even know why and i never learned to really go back and really uh kind of mind where I get some of these goals from, just kind of do it. Uh, Let's see,
0: yeah, all right,
1: so yeah. Anyway, so let's get on with it, let's get on with it. So we're talking about virginity, right? We're talking about virginity. We're talking about black men and what exactly uh, black men are dealing with sexually. Hold on. My computer is doing the most right now. keeps starting up. I had one of those uh, updates, Microsoft updates, and it just jammed everything up. Hold on. Oh, man. Trying to make sure it doesn't freeze up anything else. The hell, excuse me. Technical issues. Just go ahead and unplug it,
0: and I will get back to that later.
1: Yeah, man. This is a uh, media on the go. This is when you don't have a production crew. You are doing it yourself. Y'all know what it is. If you're content creators. Oh, man. All right. Hold on. Hold on. This is uh, all kinds of frustrating. All right. (laughs) This is what it is, man. Stuff just frees up on you. You got to work with it. So uh, my apologies. All right. So getting to the real of it, right? We know a few things that right off the bat, right? We raise this question about black men and virginity, right? So let's get the obvious out of the way. This is a piece that I've talked about several times. Um, I've tried to share. If you haven't read it, you get your hands on it. I think if you go uh, to Tommy Curry's uh, academia.com page, I think it is, you can find this. You can Google it, of course. It's called She Touched Me, Five Snapshots of Adult Sexual Violations of Boys, Black Boys. This is a piece he wrote with Ebony Utley. Beautifully done. Uh, So definitely check this out. And one of the things that it reveals is that black boys have the youngest sexual debut. So we're gonna get the obvious out of the way. In terms of the actual act of intercourse, that's not really a question, right? As it says right there on the screen, our findings indicate that black males are uniquely at risk for sexual impropriety and statutory rape, primarily via older women and teenage girl female perpetrators. Although risk also includes same-sex violations, this study, the first of its kind, Argues that black boys uh, must be understood as a population at risk to be victims of sexual violations and require an earlier sex education emphasizing their sexual vulnerability. Now, this is important. Uh, The reason that this is important is because it's so common for black men to talk about losing their virginity before the age of 18. Often, with girls and women much older that we don't really even think about it. Not even something we really reflect upon. Right? Oh, boy. Let's see. I had a... If I can find it here.
0: Okay. Hold on. Bear with me. I thought
1: I had it up, but I did not. And I want to make sure I put it up because, okay, I thought I had already posted this up. All right. Let me do it this way. See? Over here, I thought I was ready, I wasn't. My apologies. Um, Let's see. I'm probably not going to put this on the screen. I don't want his name up here. I didn't get permission from him so although i will read what he said i won't put his name out there um anyway evidence of what i'm talking about in terms of uh, referring to dr curry and dr utley is a post that a brother made on a facebook page kevin samuels group and one of the things he talked about when the question was raised about sexual debut he actually wrote his experience now mind you i have had in the last number of years uh, scores of black men write to me about the same thing and i can tell you you know i've had similar experiences i think my sexual experiences started at three then again at like nine then again at 14 so you know and, and i think that's pretty common for most black men in terms of their first sexual experiences most particularly even with intercourse right um But he writes, I was 14 and she was 44, taught me everything. She told me girls enjoy sex 10 times more than boys. She also said older women would gladly accommodate me if they could be assured I would not kiss and tell. By the time I was in high school, I racked up double digit scorecards, two teachers, three girlfriends, moms. And yes, she was right. Girls do want it more than boys. Wexner is a billionaire because he made Victoria's Secret a household name. Why? Because women want to entice hubby into effing. Uh, Men don't come close to the desires of women or girls. Truth be told, notice these bees tell on uh, stepdaddy years after he's been having sex with them for more than three years. They weren't complaining while the sex was actually happening. So this is just a regular, this is as far as I know, regular person. This is not somebody who is, um, you know, um, on a show talking about this this is just somebody in a comment section on Facebook and um, I found it interesting right and when somebody tries to ask him about or well, actually somebody apologized and said I'm sorry you were taking advantage of at 44 but with by a 44 year old woman um, you know he points out that he came on to her which is interesting in and of itself, because if you think about the reversal of that, right? 44 year old man saying that he had sex with an underage 14 year old girl because she came on to him. How many people take that seriously? But anyway, that aside, the fact that he's having sex with adult women at 14 is fairly common among black men, Right? It's a fairly common dynamic, far more than it should be but very much the case. And if I were to peruse the comment section and ask the men that listen to my show uh, how old they were when they lost their virginity, um, I think it might be interesting. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and do that. You know, I'm just, for those who feel uh, willing to share, just put the age you were in the comment section when you had your first sexual experience. Doesn't have to necessarily be full-on intercourse, uh, but your first sexual experience. Just put the age you were. For any who feel comfortable sharing. If you don't, no pressure. Mm -hmm. 14, 19, 13, uh Uh, 6, 15, 18, um, 14, 11, 12, 7. This is a clear affirmation of Dr. Curry's main argument when it comes to this black boy's are um, sexually vulnerable at a much younger age than other groups. Uh, we are highly sexualized much earlier on. And we're even taught that our goal, uh, or at least I should say how we're perceived, is part of that, right? Yeah, and brothers are still uh, riding in. Uh, yep, six, uh, nine, nine, uh, I was nine, she was 16, 6, 5, 15, 10, 15, 21, 13, 10, 13 to 15, 8, 9, 7, 7. Um, one brother wrote 38. All right. Uh seven, thirty-three, right? One says 33, you know, another says 33. Beautiful, right? But this is, I just want to foreground this a little bit. This is the legacy of how black men are perceived in this particular country, most especially the legacy of the Mandingo, right? Highly sexualized and potentially sexually violent. This is the perception of black men. And yet black men find themselves desired because of the very narratives that are used to criminalize them, right? Very narratives used to criminalize them. This is a criminalizing stereotype and yet, at the same time, you will find black, you will find white and black women, and other groups for that matter, who find black men sexually stimulating because of these very ideas. Right. In many ways, we are considered walking mandingos, pimps, predators. If anything, I call us, you know, a weaponized fallacies in terms of how we're perceived. But this is the reality. Right. This is the reality of how we're seen. The reason um i think there we go take this down quick let me see somebody said something i didn't want to miss but i think I where did it go um somebody said she was 16 my first time was 14. he said it burnt me yep yeah, definitely um 16 8 and she was 16 years old um yeah, Now I'm reading these out as well, because, uh, you know, I'm also uh, we're also broadcasting on inner light radio. So I want them to be able to keep up with what we're talking about. But part of the sexualized narratives on black men play out and how we're perceived. And that contributes to our uh, perceived hypersexuality. Um, but it is not always a matter of young men seeking it out. It very much can be a matter of people identifying you as a sexual object. I remember getting into a debate some years ago with a feminist, black feminist, and she laughed and said, Do you honestly, are you honestly going to tell me that black men know anything about being a sexual object? And I was just astonished because here you had people that actually have degrees in Africana studies. They know that black men have been traditionally lynched just for the mere accusation of violating white women, even when they didn't, uh, which was true uh, a good portion of the time. And yet, that doesn't translate to sexual object, uh, objectification to people. It translates as a norm. It, as as a matter of fact, her response to me was that's not that's not a, a violation. That's just that black male shit. That was her words, right? And this was somebody who actually teaches in my field, right? So what we're saying is we're familiar with the stories of lynching. We're familiar with the stories of rape of, of black male bodies even during slavery. And yet people, black folk themselves who actually teach black history will not always make the leap between the violation, sexual violation at that of black males and being sexually objectified, sexually demonized, so on and so forth. We won't make that connection. And this is a legacy that black men still deal with in many ways and in many shapes and forms. What's up Dr. Thunder? Good to see you in here. Appreciate you supporting the show. Salute. So I bring all of this up for a reason, right? Bring it up for a reason. I was having a conversation with a brother of mine. We've been friends now for, ooh, 25 odd years. It was just a random conversation. Now, he's, I want to say he's about 10 years older than me, right? So we were talking. And um, we were just having a conversation about sex at a certain point. He's married. He's, he's in this, you know, he's been married several times. Uh, but this time... um. I would say he's been married to two black women, and this marriage he's in now is with a non-black woman. And he talked to me about his experiences. He appreciate the support, Drew. Thank you. Um, and one of the things he said that happened when he first got with his current woman is he said they had sex a couple of times. and. He talked about and he and I always talk about the conditioning of black males. We are conditioned in many ways to serve women in relationships. And I can say I've had that experience as well. I mean, uh, the way even in high school, the way even in junior high that we talked about sex, you know, especially amongst my boys. uh, the, The idea was your 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 perceived manhood was predicated on how pleased she was with you, not only in bed, but also in terms of how you treated her in general. And, you know, you were rewarded by how she talked about you. So the way we kind of got down, she had three or four orgasms before you took off any clothes before you got into anything. That was the kind of idea. And I'm just kind of sharing with you the mind state. So he and I have that same mind state because we come out of roughly the same era. And that's the way we've been socialized to act in relationships. But here's the thing. He said after he did this, at one point, his lady stopped and she said, "Okay, I've had several orgasms already, as is usual right? With us. He said, but what do you like? He said, what do you need me to do for you? So you can feel as pleasured as you make me feel. Now, I would say when this happened, he was probably on the cusp of 50. I'm, I'm, I'm guesstimating based on how long I've known him in the time timeframe. Um, he's probably close to 50. And one of the things he shared with me is that no one had ever asked him that question before. And the thing that got me about that, as he shared that, was I said the same to him. The first time a woman asked me that question was probably about five or six years ago. It had never dawned on me that anybody would ask. And here's the thing. We both had the same response when asked. Silence. Now we can talk about the generic things that most men like, you know, you could talk about BJ's and what she was actually asking a deeper question, you know, she didn't have a problem performing that, but her thing was, what else do you need? And this is how far she went into the conversation when he shared it with me, right? She asked about his fetishes. She asked about his sexual interests. She pulled up pictures of women that were built in the ways based in the way he likes. And she said, based on you know what I've seen you glance at, based on her own body, she pulled up pictures and asked him questions and they really started to have a deep conversation about sex and about what he liked, what he wanted, what he needed, what he was interested in. And she actually pushed him to share what men are generally um, not inclined to share (laughs) for the most part, because it wasn't about uh, whether or not it immediately complimented her. She actually put her ego to the side and she just said, what is it that you like, even if it doesn't, you know, point back to me. And what he shared with me in that moment was that again, no one had ever asked him that before. And here I was, You know, trying at first, interested in making the argument that that was somehow common. But I had to be real. When I thought about it, I realized I only had one person ask me that, and I didn't have an answer either. Because even early on, at a young age, when I first was introduced uh, to sex, it wasn't about what was mutually pleasurable. It was about what I was expected, socially expected to do for her. Because again, the idea is my manhood is predicated on how well I please her. And young black boys, especially in the 80s, really got this message deep. Because we came up in the, in the, you know, in the whole era, uh, the R&B era, the please her era, You know what you needed to do. And, and that didn't, again, it wasn't limited to sex. It was everything from creating the ambiance to the music to you know, the actual sexual act and everything that happened before and after. And the goal was to make sure that she was pleased, she spoke well of you. I knew brothers, man, it couldn't rub $5 to get two pennies together, but they could put together a dinner, candlelight, they had massage oil. And this was stuff that we were sharing with each other from early high school through college, sharing techniques, sharing all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, uh, tools you could use so you could go longer, you know, tools that you could use, you know, to get it up. I mean, men were scientists with this, right? We were scientists with it, the kind of conversations we had. And brothers would pride themselves on how long we could have sex without, you know, uh, climaxing. You could go hours, right? And the more she seemed pleasured, the better off you were. But here's the thing. Very few of us had actually pondered and meditated on what it is we necessarily wanted, what we wanted to experience, what kind of things we wanted to do. We did what, what, what prioritized her. And this kind of goes into what I talk about in terms of the whole notion of the country Surf. I talk about, you know, even just the mentality of prioritizing her. So the, this is what spawned the question. Obviously, I'm not talking about when I ask if Black men are virgins, are we virgins in terms of the actual act of intercourse? I'm actually talking about it on a deeper level have we actually pondered pleasure beyond the obvious? Have we actually pondered um, and actually had partners that sought to find ways to prioritize us in bed to the same extent that we have been taught to prioritize her? There's a there's a a, a post that Dr. Stacy Patton put up I'm going to share it with you, but I think it's interesting. It's not directly on the same topic, but it's in the ballpark. Um, it's really small, so I don't think I'm going to put it on the screen. But I'll read. I'll read it to you. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a text from a father to a son, and um, so the son actually shares that he wants to go out, right? He wants to go out on a date, and the father texts him back and says, "That's fine." He says, I want you home absolutely no later than 7.30. Public places only, no homes, no private rooms, no nakedness. (laughs) Uh, And I got those those kind of messages when I was a teenager that pissed me off. And as a father, I completely understand them because I ain't trying to be a grandfather. Yeah, yeah, my son and I definitely had those conversations. Hold me, stall me out on that, man. I ain't ready for that. But anyway, he continues. Comport yourself as a gentleman, respectful, polite open doors appreciate that john thank you um john ray says uh thank you for helping build my uh psychological fortitude as a black man no doubt man appreciate that all right and i'm gonna bring some of y'all up because i want to know what experiences you have but anyway let me continue so he also texts he says open doors offer to pay for everything listen way more than when you than you speak she's the boss you're simply honored she chose uh to spend time with your goofy behind uh your job is to be chivalrous courteous and kind appreciate that war child uh war child i appreciate the support um you know he says uh your job is to be chivalrous courteous and kind while simultaneously being protective and strong you're a man but moreover you're my son conduct yourself accordingly um and then he communicates that he loves his son shout out to him fathering that's what's up um i would send much of this to my son as far as uh when to be home where to be and where not to be whether that actually happens y'all know probably not um you know damn sure didn't when i was a teenager but the crux of this uh that i want to get at he's partially being playful but he's not he says listen way more than you speak she's the boss you're just honored she chose to spend time with you. and this is, this is why I'm calling this show part two to the short video I did a while back on our Black women good in bed, And really what it has to do with is this prioritizing, this hyper prioritizing of women, especially as it relates to sex. And one of the things we've been taught is that she's doing us a favor. It is a gift to have sex with women. I'm more of the Patrice O'Neill school of thought where sex, if done properly, should be mutually beneficial. Just on the basis of the act, especially when you're talking about black men that have spent decades learning the art of pleasuring women it is not a gift or a favor right fair exchange is no robbery it should be mutually beneficial right we don't often teach it that way, but that's really what it should be at the end of the day and I, I think men should definitely pay, uh, pay take the perspective that um, you know this is not something that you know you should be uh feeling like some kind of uh, favor was done for you and you need to be overly grateful no as a matter of fact i you know many black men that i've spoken to don't even really you know spend a lot of time thinking about what they enjoy in bed it's strictly a matter of pleasing her and i think there's time for it's time for a new conversation because if you're at 50 years old and it's the first time a woman asks you what she can do beyond the obvious. And sometimes the obvious doesn't even work. Not all men enjoy the same things we see in porn every five seconds. You know, men have different needs, men have different, but to what extent do we express that? This is why the, the previous video I did, one of the things we talked about was the difference between ejaculating and orgasming. And most people assume that for men, they're one and the same. And women have definitely been taught that it's one and the same, but so have many men. Many men don't climax, they ejaculate, and they're two different things, right? But at the same time, many men, starting from boyhood, they're not told there's a difference between the two, and we're definitely not told how to pursue that difference and explore what it is we really like. Now, if you go back to uh, Curry and Utley's She Touched Me, one of the things they talk about uh, is how that kind of sensory dynamic in boyhood can be disrupted by sexual violation. What does that mean? Well, it means the very way you process pleasure can be disrupted by being violated at a young age, even when it's with a woman. You know what I mean? You you can have that process interrupt your natural development, and you still may find yourself acting out things in relation to early violation because that was how you were introduced to sexual pleasure. So that can become a barrier for actually being able to experience pleasure beyond the surface beyond the obvious right And of course as long as the dominant narrative is that men only need and again this is a quote i said in the last video men only need a wet hole to be pleasured by there's a world of things that men don't find themselves exploring about themselves partially because many of them have never been introduced to the idea but also if you've not had a partner prioritize your interests or even ask you what they, what they are And if you've not spent any time exploring that, it can be a pretty earth shattering experience. And this is what my brother and I were talking about. He was sharing with me what it was like to actually be asked that at 50 or near 50, and then to have several years after that of being able to explore it. One of the things she told him, no judgment, no criticism.
0: I just want to know what pleasures you. Yeah, very different, right?
1: So those are the kind of things that I'm interested in today, right? Because when we talk about how many of our women have been socialized, we got to go to understand uh, what that looks like today. Now, some of you guys, sorry, more logistics issues in my studio here. All right, Come on now. There we go. All right. So some of you guys have seen this this week. Um, I will obviously read it for our radio audience, but it's also a bit small to see. So for that, I apologize. Try and bring it up a little bit. But this is April Mason. And this has been going all over YouTube in the last couple of days. days. Um, April Mason is a, or at least she was, a, you know, dating coach, matchmaker, whatever you might want to call it. And she apparently retired from the game, right? And so she writes uh, on her post here, uh, why I am closing my dating academy and getting out of the business of helping women in this way. Same reason why I closed my matchmaking service in 2013. She says, after 10 years of helping women in this area, it's time to move on. I had dozens of success, success stories from women who are now married, engaged, or dating high caliber men. My track record speaks for itself. However, the, the majority that come to me have unrealistic expectations the selfishness fake everything think they should be chosen because they have a vagina and good looks entitlement just mean not knowing the difference between being a woman and a wise woman and will fight you uh, to be strong not knowing how to be versus do thinking being a feminine woman is weak or a pick me whatever that is placing the blame and not taking responsibility or accountability for the choices they make in men being disagreeable, defensive, argumentative about everything, always finding something to nitpick about, looking for perfection. If you mention anything about doing something kind for the man they chose, it's the what is he going to do for me? And the list goes on. Now, this doesn't excuse men's behavior. A lot of men think that they are high earning, think that um, think because they are high earning, it makes them high, a high value man. Not. I've just made my contribution and impact in this area for decades to come. I've over have over 50 courses that women who may be in need of help can check on so on and so forth. So she kind of goes from there, but she says a wise woman knows how to exit on a high note. Right. So when I talk about the way women are socialized, the reason I talk about it is because if we're going to get to this question, of whether or not black men have had mutually uh, beneficial sexual experiences with partners who are as interested in their pleasure as they are in their own, this post says a lot. It says a lot because it says something about the mind state of many of the women that black men interact with. And we all know April wasn't alone, right? If you haven't seen this post by Rebecca Lynn Pope, on Facebook you've been out of the loop for a while right this is uh this is just a shorter clip of a longer post but it was an interesting thing that came out a few years ago where um you know very prominent I think she's Atlanta based um you know relationship coach matchmaker the whole deal also retired from matchmaking women and she actually said the same thing April did um in a section because April also reiterates in her comments to that post that uh, men were much easier to work with because they didn't have the same kinds of entitlement that women did. But, you know, Rebecca said the very same thing. And this was a post that went all over YouTube and social media a few years ago uh, because, you know, most of us didn't expect, uh, uh, you know, some of these coaches to come out and be so public about what they were experiencing. Now, some of them kind of tried to walk that back a little bit because you don't find a lot of black women that are willing to talk about uh, sisterhood. They often, critiqued and challenged in all kinds of problematic ways and you know run the risk of losing their businesses so nevertheless kassonk appreciate that support um oh let me see hold on see kassonk says first time i was asked was with a white girl he said i was 49 she was soft loving she cared it wasn't just about exploring fantasies but a real connection
0: See, and, and, and here's the thing. I'm
1: not saying that you can't have these experiences with a woman of any background. The question is, has she been primed for such? Has she been socialized in a manner where your sexual pleasure is even a priority? But beyond just the sexual pleasure, as Cassant accurately points out, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing your name, brother, so I apologize. Was there even attempt at, at a connection? Now, this doesn't have to mean you, you, you marry for 50 years and ride off into the sunset, but a connection can simply be that you're actually in bed with somebody that's just as interested in you getting off as they are. It could be that simple, right? But if you're actually dealing with the kinds of women that both April and um, Rebecca are talking about, that's probably not as likely. We also, we can add Ian Van Zandt to this list, right? We know very recently, I believe this year, she came out and said that she was done as well she also pointed to the entitlement issues and so on that many of the women she dealt with um, gave her. And you can actually watch this on her show. She had a lot of, you know, kind of battles with women that she was trying to help. And they, uh, for a good portion of that time, it came back to the same kinds of issues, right? Same kinds of entitlement uh, that, you know, she experienced. So, you know, this is the crux of the question. And I am going to get to what I think the solution is uh, or a solution is um, in a moment. But what I'd like to do is actually get some people to come on in. And if you could, uh, I'm going to bring you guys in one at a time. And I just want you to be, you know, fairly brief. If you're interested in coming up and sharing anything on the topic, share with us your thoughts about, you know, what we're talking about. So I put the link in the uh, comment section. Um, and I think it should go out to Facebook and YouTube. Uh, so, <laughs> hold on, let me bring the first brother. What's <laughs> oh, Marcus? <laughs> oh. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah, I can hear you. I had to get my sound together. (laughs) What's going on?
1: He he jumped in first. Didn't even have a sound together. He's like, I gotta, I gotta put something in on
2: this. You must have saw me and just cracked up. Like, let me in, let me in. Gotta speak on this.
1: Come on, man. What you got to say about this, man?
2: Man, (laughs) man, you already know, man. When, when, when when the women are falling back you know it's a problem <laughs> when they can't when they can't help you when when the when the when the female counselors can't counsel the the women mm-hmm, when they can't when they can't when the police can't police the police it's
0: over <laughs> it's
1: over <laughs> oh man it's rough it's rough bro Uh, because these are things that that you know black men have been experiencing for a while now and the funny part is you know it's taken generations really for black men to speak up about their experiences and one of the things i'm starting to see more of is i'm starting to see more black men policing the black men who are finally speaking up and trying to get them to be quiet and accept whatever is placed in front of them yet again i think one of the things it does is it really dismisses the depth of the issue the depth and breadth of it you know because those who watch my show know we deal with this uh from politics to culture to history across the board now today we're talking about sex and you know and i'm not a relationship counselor i generally don't do a lot of that but for the most part i talk about policy i talk about history and i think a lot of the issues that are going on uh in terms of gender in our community are really much deeper than people give them credit for but Today we're talking about sex and I'm asking the question about you know whether or not you know black men are, are are having experiences that are mutually beneficial. What are your thoughts on that, brother? When you
2: say mutually beneficial, you mean um and you mean in the sex department. Uh, I, I think when you when you initially posted about this, you were talking about uh orgasms or, or something mm-hmm. of that nature.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, but, but sexual or exploration, it could be that as well. You know what I mean? Um, but just getting into uh, an expression that like, for example, one of the things I foregrounded this conversation with is how many black men that I knew in my generation that grew up learning that sex was really about pleasing her right? yeah, to yeah. the degree that, you know, most of the brothers I'm talking about have never actually been asked. How can I provide you with a similar experience? You know what I'm saying. So you have anything to drop on that?
2: Um, yeah, you, you know we 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 see it not not just. Uh, I mean, we learn it in our circles, we learn it in media and things like that. All we learn is you know that women are not satisfied in sex, and you know it's about pleasuring her, and you know they make the condoms to pleasure her, and all these things to pleasure her. You know, with the, the ribbed condoms and the beaded condoms and. You know all of these things, and you got you got guys who go buy toys and this and that and yada 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 yada. All of this stuff, right? Right. <laughs> you know, and if you if you can't keep it up, it's your fault. And if she don't get wet, it's your fault. And everything is your fault
1: because it's it's because it's a favor she's doing for you by being there. Yeah, it's a, allowing you. She's
2: she's she's giving you the privilege. Yes to 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 give her pleasure
1: yes yes i don't
2: know if you i don't know <laughs> i don't know if you remember sugar hill right there's the scene in sugar hill where uh what's his name tells Teresa randall he says i'm gonna let you suck my you remember this
1: wesley snipes is that so, what you talking about
2: wesley snipes is in the movie but it was bondy curtis mm-hmm. hall's character i think okay. he, was a, ball-
1: he was a ball player yeah
2: yeah, he's 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 assaulting Teresa Randall and then that's what he tells her. He's I when I first heard it out, pardon me, but I thought it was funny. The way he said it, he's he's mm-hmm.
3: like
2: all right, so now I'm gonna let you. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna let you. So these women are looking at it like, I'm gonna let you right. pleasure me. I'm gonna give you the privilege and the honor of making
1: me feel good. Right. And, and, and the funny part about that is he had to be a rapist. I mean, he was slapping her around, you know, yeah. the character. The, so the, the one character you see that actually, uh, you know, requ- requires being pleasured the same way men are socialized to pleasure women, especially in our community. The only character you hear that from has to be an abuser slash rapist in a movie. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. got to be an asshole at that, right? He's all of that kind of yeah. but, but the very idea of what he's saying is often I argue how young black men are socialized to think of what sex is supposed to be except that they serve so i'm I'm in complete agreement with you i I didn't even register that scene when it happened i it just went over my head i just I, you know I didn't even know how to process that
2: yeah it's it's a job for us um you know most women I can't say all, but most women do not they like they don't they don't they don't play an active uh they're not an active participant in sex mm. yeah you know you yeah. know we 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 yeah. we usually use uh we use speech like oh oh can you take the D right can you take it and that's pretty much what yeah. they're doing they just take it
0: mm-hmm. you understand
2: mm-hmm. now of course yeah. you know you get your exceptions to the rule, but most most of them just take it. It's like you watch the color purple. We we know what that is, you know, she's just taking it.
1: She doesn't even want it. But she just takes it. She doesn't even want it. Right. She does not even want it. But I and, and I noticed that even in high school, right? It was it, it was this, you know, sex was she a she just laid there.
4: Mm-hmm. And
1: you were supposed to do things that blew her mind. And if they weren't mind blowing, it was your fault. So here you are, you have to, you know, you have to figure this woman out and please her, whether you knew her or not. And that was sex. Now she may do a few things. You may get her to do a few, but but for the most part, the very definition is, please me.
2: Think about this, right? Now you got books on the G spot and all this other stuff, right? You've written books about it, asking mm-hmm. a asking woman to do anything that might pleasure you, right, mm. is is demeaning. Mm. Is considered demeaning, right? Anything that you might do for her that just mm-hmm. solely benefits her. And then when people, what is a common, what is a common thought that comes to your mind when people say the word foreplay,
0: right?
2: What is the first thing that comes to your mind?
1: First thing that comes to my mind, um, all the things I need to do to get her ready. Yes. That, especially in high school, that was kind of how foreplay was taught to me. Yeah. That's what it was. Get her ready.
2: Yeah. Foreplay mm-hmm. is very gynocentric. Mm-hmm. It's a gynocentric term.
1: Yeah. It's not mutual. No. We, we we Now, we, men, I'm not saying men can't take pleasure out of it, but it's not framed in a way where it's mutually constructed it's you getting something out of doing something for her and and it's a one-way kind of dynamic yeah and and you're kind of graded on how well you do yeah at
2: that yeah foreplay is is, uh, like like we we always say you know like the first thought that comes to our mind when we hear the word foreplay is pleasing her getting her ready right for the Mm -hmm. for for taking the d right mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where she you got to get her uh uh ready and open to you getting your thing off right
0: mm-hmm.
2: you got to get her in the mood like oh she doesn't want it you got to give her foreplay so she wants it right so you kinda, not- kinda,
1: mm-hmm. well it, it, no i want you to finish your statement go ahead
2: it's almost like the act of you know the actual sex isn't something that is for her the foreplay is like you have to get her in the mood to even for her to consider doing you the favor of taking the d right i mean when you hear foreplay you don't think of you getting anything out of it
1: well and keep in mind foreplay isn't just uh physical right we and this is something that i remember uh guys talking about as early As junior high, we were. I remember having conversations about how you needed to stimulate her into mentally, you know what I mean. And and then this is the era where, um, I mean, I'm old enough to remember you having to talk to a girl on your on the family phone, (laughs) and you had to find a way to kick game while your family might be sitting there. So you had to be extremely skilled in adept. Like you had to know how to talk. You had to have a mouthpiece because you only had a couple chances on the phone or whatnot. But foreplay was this idea. It was something that you had to do to stimulate her before you even get to the physical act, right? And then you had to, there was another layer of it at that point when you're in the room. So there's just layers of it, right? How you, so this whole warming up thing you're talking about has multiple levels of, on it, right? But any yeah. final thoughts before I transition to someone else in here?
2: yeah so yeah um, as far as men being virgins um I think that that might be something that is is happening more so like more recently um you know i you know i i can i could you know I can think of a lot of guys you know like being around the the industry and and all the different things that I've been around you know i I often tell people they'd be surprised at how many men are are not sexually active um due to not being chosen and and you know the last thing is you know when like i said when it when it comes to sex between you know men and women um you know the the thought is like i said anything that you will derive pleasure from that there's not mutual pleasure will you know be viewed as negative or demeaning and 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 the opposite is is almost like you know you're you're doing your job. You're a real man, et cetera. Et cetera. Like you know, you, you, you know, you're 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 a uh, you're a desirable sex partner.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: this this idea that with you know we are to give, 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 yeah. and and get nothing in return. So, but that's yeah. typically that extends beyond sex. But no problem, hey. man. Glad they have me on.
1: Hey, man, thanks for coming through. Y'all support the Keep It 100 channel. Go check him out um when's the next video dropping man
2: probably tonight man uh you know we got we gotta wait for you know uh the guy with all the ratings to be done talking and then uh you know us little guys
1: (laughs) guys. anyway
2: on my channel all
1: right man thanks for coming through bro appreciate it
2: peace thanks a lot
1: you know and he raised something significant as far as virgin now obviously I'm stretching the concept because I'm not actually limiting you know, or defining virginity solely by intercourse. I'm actually arguing that far too many black males have been introduced to intercourse long before they're introduced to what actually uh, can be pleasurable about intercourse beyond just the physical act, especially if it happens when you're under age, right? Or particularly under 10, you know, that's damaging or can be. Anyway, so I am playing with that, but there are Some virgins uh, who uh, commented in the comment section or some who haven't had sex until they were almost 40. And shout out to those brothers if that is something you chose. Now, if it's something you didn't choose, then it's a whole other issue. But I'm talking about virginity in the broader sense in terms of actually having a meaningful connection beyond the expectations people have of you simply on the basis of you being black and male. So let me bring in Mr. Z. What's going on, Mr. Z? Can you hear me? Yes I can.
5: Can you hear me sir?
1: Yes sir. How you doing?
5: Fun in you um you know I I wanted to jump on this because of the virgin conversation is I remember mm-hmm. having um you know I, I see what you did there and how you extended it and I, um that that was actually really interesting what you did with the with the with the word virgin but I remember having a couple of friends in my college years that when I stayed in touch with them and we would occasionally talk they were virgins well up to 30, yeah. 29 and 28 years old. So, you know, I understand you 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 spoke about it in a, at a different angle, but mm-hmm. that is something yes. to consider, right? And and a lot of men are finding themselves stuck in this weird situation, I would argue, because okay, put it this way. We we know what it's like to be desired. Mm-hmm. I think one of the worst things that can ever happen is when you as a man every single situation you've ever been in has been transactional yes with women and i think that is soul crushing because you you get to see other men be desired Mm -hmm. but you always have to be the guy that essentially pays for it and i could just imagine what that
1: oh man just the thought of
5: it just Uh, (laughs) you you
1: you raised something significant because i can i can tell you i had an incident Uh, a few Mm -hmm. years ago in my black male studies course where I had a, I had a young man who was, you know, his college age, I say he probably was about 22, 23. And he professed to being a virgin in the class. Now at this Mm -hmm. time, the majority of my students were black, black women. And I remember that they joined in together to laugh at him Mm -hmm. in the class. Now, you know, of course I went to protect him because, you know, but here's the thing, he was, he was actually very religious and for him, you know, he didn't find it a slight to his character, he had actually found it to be something very, you know, he did it, it was purposeful for him. He wasn't apologetic or ashamed about it. So he he had his, he held his head up high. And, um, you know, I noticed that before I even stepped in to defend him or even just raised the question, why is it that a black male who chooses to be a virgin is someone to mm. be ridiculed because this man was saying he was waiting till marriage and i had nothing but respect for him on that he was serious about it it wasn't a game he wasn't playing you know and uh you know if i remember correctly he actually did get married a couple years after that but my point was the 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 very idea of being black male and virgin was was laughable to most people Mm -hmm. in that room and that's what i took issue with i'm like why is that the case And and the reason was when we got down to the core of it is that black men are considered to be so hypersexual even within the black community that to be a virgin is a joke it just you know the mm-hmm. only way that it's, it was interpreted was a, a, as a character flaw of some sort mm-hmm. not a choice on his behalf so any thoughts it, it of, happened but, yeah,
5: go no ahead. no i was saying that that definitely happens i mean it's the environment and you know duck telling off what the brother earlier was saying i do think because of the current environment we will see increase in young adult male virginity and Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of that will be because of choice or Mm -hmm. because of circumstance right right I think much of that is going to be because of circumstance it's Mm -hmm. just going to be interesting to see how the the dominant society in the media speaks about it when that happens because I I foresee that becoming a thing you know okay and I wanted to touch on one more subject before I get off which is what you were speaking about with the the April Mason um lady and you know it it you know dr johnson we the environment man i i actually made a video about this where i spoke about you know the the how the media and you were actually speaking about this earlier when you were speaking about how you viewed homes when you were younger Mm. and i think expound that out to what what little girls were consuming Mm. 20 and 30 years ago and those girls are now women right so those girls are now women and they had millions if not billions of dollars directed towards them about a certain lifestyle that they should try to achieve and now those girls that are now women are who rebecca lynn pope are running into april Mm -hmm. mason's running into and and Mm -hmm. that delusion didn't come out of nowhere so it's it's multiple things that compounded into this delusion that's and my estimation is going to cause these women to be very miserable as they get older because they can't i think it's too late i don't think you could get them out of them out of that uh, unfortunately Uh, it's just going to be really sad Uh, you know i'm I'm in my mid-30s i'm i'm just imagining watching these women walk into 40 walk into 50 walk into even 60 and always have these ideas in their mind and never get to it
1: you know and that's and that's that's extremely important because i think one of the things they got because you're talking about i'm you know i had a little sister. So when I was playing with He-Man and Transformers, she had Barbie and you know all that and the Barbie houses, and I remember that. And but what that morphed into, is, you know, with feminism, especially mm-hmm. in the Black community, is what I call a one-way traditionalism, right? Because mm, these, yep. these women, once introduced to feminism, of course, this was
0: <laughs>
1: appreciate that support, Tim. Um, one one of the things that we notice happen. Is they played with those toys as little girls but by the time they mm-hmm. started to transition into young womanhood elder women started telling them that they have to get the bag you know of course mm-hmm. that was the language they were using in the 80s uh the language then was kind of niggas ain't shit uh you need to be able to stand on your own blah 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 and they were kind of they you know they were also by policy you know had more access to college they had more access to white collar employment. And so this idea of the Barbie house transitioned into something that they had to secure for themselves, but to complete the image, you needed a man standing there. Right. Right. But what men were told by these very women was very one way. It was a one way traditionalism. You need to provide and protect. Uh, And even if I make more money than you, your money is our money. My money is my money. It's my money. You pay for the house, and I've had women do this. They've asked me Mm -hmm. to buy nine hundred thousand dollar houses. You buy the house, (sighs) you pay the bills. Listen to the twist. You cook and clean and and take care of the kids. I want to be a full time whatever I'm doing. My Mm -hmm. money is my money alone. Your money takes care of us, and you need to take us on international trips, uh, you know, on a regular basis. Wow. You know what I mean? And it's like, wait a minute, what? But that's the dynamic. So that, that Barbie dynamic morphed into some of the things we're seeing with April Mason and, and Rebecca Lynn Pope and Ayala Van Zandt, And it morphed into not only a selfishness, a, a, a narcissism, if you will, a kind mm-hmm. of a widespread cultural narcissism, but it also turned into an expectation that men provide the material reality for her to live that dream, but she gets to own and keep everything to herself. Right. And that doesn't even include divorce.
5: And so how is this supposed to work, Dr. Johnson, when, you know, I know these numbers about t- off the top of my head. I recite them all the time. Half mm-hmm. of American men make $38,000 and some change yeah. a year. Only yeah. 8% of Americans are millionaires, and that's hard assets. That's yeah. not even liquid. So exactly. how is this supposed to work right. for the masses of women, especially when we count, you know, the the recent Washington Journal article about, you know, 60% yeah. of the college enrollment is now women, 40% mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. And within the next decade, it's supposed to be two thirds. So 66, 33. How, I don't know how this math works. The math ain't nothing.
1: <laughs> and that's why you have, you, have the, the, you have the marital rates where they are. That's why you have the high divorce rates. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, um, women have cultural expectations that nobody mm-hmm. can meet. They themselves can't even meet. You know what yeah. I mean? We see this literature in the media about boss chicks and whatever. But the reality is women actually, even in the black community, earn less than men. That well, as far as men that are actually working, right? You know, so they're not even able to live up to these ideas that you know they espouse and yet expect men to make up the difference. And when it's you know not feasible for men to do so, Mm -hmm. you have women leaving men in record numbers because the expectations can't be met. So, uh, any final (laughs) thing before I transition to the next person. Um,
5: I'll end with this. Like you said, the entrepreneurship before COVID-19, I think it spiked after, well, after the initial COVID thing, but it was at a 40-year low in America. Mm-hmm. So when people speak about these things, and I like how you end often your streams where, you know, we're not walking wallets, and I actually want to make a video about that, but we're not just these tools, these utilities, right? right. And, I, and I, that's what I'll leave the brothers here with tonight, just we're not these tools, we're not these utilities and you got to do for you, right? April Mason and Rebecca Lynn Pope, these are people, they're literally working with women and they can't even do it no more, <laughs> right? So, th- you know, I'll just end with that. I don't want to go on a tirade, but thank you once again for having me up, Dr. Johnson. Hey man,
1: appreciate you coming up. Send me the link when you do that video.
5: Okay, thank you.
1: Hi, right, man, peace.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, uh, we have an audience favorite. Welcome my boy, Malaika, to, in the building. How you doing?
3: Peace, peace, big brother, how you doing?
1: Doing well, how about yourself, man?
3: I'm doing well too, man. It's always a pleasure to deal with the source of supreme of the manosphere. <laughs> <You're>
1: crazy. <laughs> What's up, man? Drop it on us, man. What do you got on this? What, what do you. Think?
3: Uh, I wrote in your chat that uh, black men, but especially as black men that I noticed from Gen X era, we are engineered and we were created to always pleasure women, even though that they say that we're hypersexual and a lot of times a lot of us were often stereotyped of being sexual predators and whatnot in the super predator uh moniker Mm -hmm. you said it man you broke it down like we had an era of where you had nothing but a lot of r b songs you know we made special mixtapes where we would chill with our girls in our cars do whatever it is we you know, on bended knee, do everything, you know, when we, <laughs> uh, how, that, man, as, many, as many guys, man, we, we will, you know, rewind, pause, look at porn on a VHS and figure out this is what I gotta do to a chick. But the thing is we're being conditioned to please women and we're never thought about being pleased ourselves. And when you said that men, even though that we've had many experiences with sex, one of the biggest problems is when are talking about that virgin, is that we don't, we never experience true intimacy. Yes. And this is the problem, and even, and here's another thing, our female counterparts haven't experienced true intimacy either because in the black community, we're not raised to know what intimacy is. Mm -hmm. And it's not just sexual, physical intimacy, Mm -hmm. it's mental intimacy. My Mm -hmm. best friend told me this when we were in our early 20s. He says sex is 10% physical, it's 90% mental. And that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we're always dealing, we're switching the reverse. We think it's only 10% mental, but we're dealing with the 90% physical because Mm -hmm. that's how the way we were geared. Remember, we were talking about the buck and we are talking about the stereotypes. The African-American male has always been geared to be the buck. Just with Birth of a Nation, we're talking about the, the very original one, mm-hmm. W.D. Griffith's one. Yep. We have been programmed to be the book, and it's yes been sure. programmed throughout all that way, even to when it comes to pleasing our women, we have to be the prototypical book. You have mm-hmm. to please her. And also within her mindset that especially, especially, within the past 40 years dealing with feminism and dealing with black women having their own and the rise of Alice Walker, Oprah and a lot of literature and a lot of media put out there black women don't have to please the men and a lot of women you're having a lot of relationships where a woman a woman may give a man oral sex you always say that I'll give you oral sex on your birthday or Valentine's day or you or the man is always pleasing his woman but she's never really pleasing him
0: Man, look, look,
1: and let me let me tell you if, let me I, I can't tell you over the last ten years how many men st- some of whom have been students in my classes, have talked about the role of the buck and the and the and the and the, and the mandingo in the bedroom, even in the black community. We're not even talking uh-huh. about them initially because most of the time we talk about stereotypes that come out of slavery. we talk about interracial sex, but even uh-huh. within the black community, I've had men say, I have women on a regular basis asking me to slap, uh, to hold them down, to push them. So some p- ask to be punched. Some ask to be great, as they say on YouTube, because we got to change the uh-huh. language. Right? And 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 these brothers are not saying I'm doing this with excitement. And, you know, they're saying I'm hesitant because what the hell is this? And, and, of course, in this Me Too era. You put yourself in a very vulnerable position, even if you're playing out sex acts that she asks for, because if she so much as changes up on what happened uh, and calls the police, what do you look like? Right. Exactly. We have these conversations where I'm trying to say you got to be extremely careful about whether or not you want to play out these sex games. But the question on the table for many of these men is why are there so many women across race, including black women, who are requiring that we dominate and or play out rape fantasies. And what we go back to is the buck. What we go back to is the Mandingo. We go back to uh-huh. the old narratives of the sexually dominant Black man who's going to just take it. And a lot of people want to blame Black men just for that. And and for a given Black man that raped somebody, then do what you need to do, of course. He needs to go, he needs to, uh, you know, be locked up, as it were. But when you're talking about a larger question where, uh, black men experience this and we're not even getting into the BDSM community right and, they, and the social expectations of black masculinity in those spaces they're still the same narratives right here I'll give you an example one of the assignments I give my students when I teach my black male class is they are they, they're responsible for going to different porn websites and looking up the different terms used to describe black men uh-huh and the the terms in and of themselves are always aggressive, they're always, uh-huh. you know, domineering, they're monstrous in some ways. Even just the terms, just and we're not even talking about what happens in the porn or what the language is in the video. We're talking about just the names and the terms uh-huh. used to describe black men. So this is a legacy that's very deep in American culture, so much so that it plays out in our own community, and that and there's no venue to talk about it. And when black men start to talk about it. We have other black men that will stand up and say, well, be quiet. You're, you, you need to be quiet. You're, you're, you're whining. We just need you to just accept what's happening. And, and, and sometimes even just focus on, you know, everything but what we're doing. No, this needs to be talked about. It needs to be pulled out of the closet and described and, and analyzed. It need, it's past time that we do so because at the end of the day, uh, even if you are a participant in something, in, a, in, a, in an act that two adults want to engage in, you can still find yourself as a black man vulnerable to how this can be used against you. So we have to be able to have a, a more nuanced dialogue about this. Any 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 last thoughts before I bring in the next guest?
3: You hit the nail right on the head when you mentioned Patrice O'Neill, mm-hmm. because Patrice was just like Dave Chappelle. He, he's pricking your intellect. And he said to also repeat and quote him sex can be mutually beneficial yes if both parties are willing to please one another yes now here's the funny thing see now when you're saying willing to please everybody thinks automatically Physical, no, it's not mm-hmm. just physical. It's mm-hmm. willing to please like when you're having the conversation of what you like and it's not, see the problem is we get trapped on that one level of physical, oh, I'm not into this, I'm not into that. When yeah. you said your friend's lady was asking him yeah. an honest question, what turns you on? Meaning that she's she's really wanting to be engaged what turns them on because she's not being selfish, she's being selfless because she wants to please him. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest problems that we're having now what April Mason and the other sister had was that you're dealing with a lot of women and another thing, this is what Kevin has three, four times out of week, we're having a lot of our women, they're not willing to please Mm -hmm. Us. They're not willing to please black men and they're thinking pleasing black men sexually. It's not about the physical. It's about pleasing. It's about going out of your way to want to please a man and -hmm. not just thinking it in, like you said, some different sex acts or different positions. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if you're asking what turns you on, and if you're having an open mind, no one's saying you have to do this. But if mm-hmm. it's stepping out of your comfort zone and being selfless, what turns you on? What do you like? Well, why do you like this particular body type? Why do you like this particular position?
1: But what but turns non-judgmentally, you on? non-judgmentally, right?
3: Exactly. Well, non-judgmentally. And this is the th- and this is the thing. But see, these are the conversations that black men and black women don't have. And a lot of times, a lot of Black men are afraid to ask these questions of women because we're raised not to ask our Black women anything. Mm -hmm. We're raised to like, you know, how dare you ask these questions? Or if I say this, I might not get no pussy. Or I might burn my bridges because I'm not going to get that. I'm not supposed to do this. I'll fall on her. No, the thing
1: is. Well, I'll do you one better. We're not only raised to not ask questions. We're raised to anticipate her sexual desires and figure them out. And and the degree to which you are a good man, especially as in regard to intimacy and sex, is to how well you anticipate her interests without her having to say anything. And
3: also you have to please her her on top of that. Exactly. And if you don't please her, or if you can't anticipate it, because not all of us are telepathic, you're not a good man or you're weak or you don't understand women.
1: Yeah, that's your failure, yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming up, man, as usual, uh, dropping it, you know. So thank you, brother.
3: Thank you, brother. I
1: appreciate you. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Please. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> let me welcome up <laughs> the good doctor. Uh, it, it, should I should I call you Dr. Goodbar, sir?
6: Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: nah, man, I know BGS is out there laughing right now. <laughs>
1: um, Dr. Dunbar, man, how you doing? Good. How are you, Dr. Johnson? Doing well, man. You, you, you know the subject, man. I definitely am happy to hear from you. Give us your thoughts
6: on. This. Okay, well, well, you know, since me and you have our roots in the academy, I'm, I'm going to take it. Um, my journey is going to take us back there, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to say that um, I was a late bloomer, mm-hmm. and um, just kind of late starting things came from a church the church going home, um, no men around. And so when I left the house at 18, there's just a lot of things that I had to figure out, um, you know, on my own. And I had, a, um, you know, with, with, with our women, man, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> oh, they, right. they can, they can penalize you for that. I mean, right. and they, they can shame you and they can, And if this is a woman that's that's your girlfriend, you spend spend Mm -hmm. most of your time with her. There are women who will shame you and make fun of you and and and, um, take some harsh things to you.
0: Mm -hmm.
6: And I. I got involved with someone like that during my graduate program, Mm -hmm. Uh, and as you guys just described, my whole mindset was pleasing her. And if something is not working out, it's my fault. I'm not doing Mm -hmm. something right right and, and and dr johnson i'll just say man there were a couple of times when i almost washed out of my graduate program because of just the mental wow just the mental the criticism the the, mm. the lack of understanding just the harshness she that she expressed towards me
0: mm.
6: um over our sexual chemistry
0: mm-hmm. and and
6: a, and a couple of years later I had, I had a and i i just didn't know that It not necessarily me it's it's it may be her it may be the way we fit together Mm -hmm. um and so a couple years later i was seeing someone else Mm -hmm. similar issues and she was diagnosing me with stuff you know you have this you have that you need to go see a urologist and i went and i did i i did go see a urologist he said mr dunbar your numbers are good you're 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 fine Mm. and said, said, but even me my partner we can't we just can't seem to get on the same page he says well Maybe it's time to find a new partner. uh Oh, and I sat. I sat there Uh-oh. and I looked at him like, you know, well, yeah. I, I love her, but right, right. But but maybe the problem isn't me. And mm-hmm. and then so many of us, as the other gentlemen just described, so many of us have been indoctrinated to think that it's it's always us.
1: Yeah. It never crossed your mind that it was it could be something other than you. Yes. You actually had to have a doctor actually say that to you before it even registered like hey, hmm, huh. maybe her, maybe chemistry it may be whatever. But we take it on ourselves because we're told that, you know, sex is really our domain. We're supposed to make it happen and we're supposed to feel lucky that she let us make it happen.
6: Yes. <laughs> and And the reality is there are quite a few women out there who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, but but it, it it whatever happens it's gonna it's gonna land on our shoulders. So my message, especially to the younger men out there, is uh, just just be mindful. Sometimes it is the partner you're with, and if it's if if you guys are having a hard time, you know the, don't don't be afraid to go find a new partner.
0: Hey, I I, I
1: appreciate you dropping it, man. Um, tell folks when your next show is gonna be, and, and the name of your channel, how to find you.
6: Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to build out my science channel. It's called Big Discussions uh, 76 Science and Technology. I'm about to drop a video on Friday about the about malaria and the Plasmodium. I just um, had a discussion with Nicole Ali last uh, Friday Beautiful. about prostate cancer. You guys should yeah. go check that out. Uh, but I'm dropping a video on Friday, and I want I'm going to have more guests. My background is in the biomedical sciences, but I want to expand the channel out into a STEM hub. So I'm going to have some of the tech guys come over. Um and just really kind of build the thing out. So
0: okay. All the right. channel's
6: called Big Discussion, 76, Science and Technology. I'll drop it in the chat when I drop down.
1: Beautiful. And thanks for coming but, through, but, man.
6: Yeah, but especially for the brothers, you know, if you're if you're on a path, if you're working on your PhD, your law degree, whatever, don't get don't get yeah. ensnared in something that's gonna make you wash out.
1: Yeah, distract you to a great degree. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. absolutely. All right, thanks a lot, man. Take care right that was dr uh dunbar a good brother support his channel uh let's see we got a brother, brother 3000 gt atlanta what's up man
4: hey man how you doing good how about yourself hey man i'm good yeah. um we're gonna talk about this and i'm bad in bed okay like well you know late bloomer myself okay um um uh, just a nerd guy um you know got a Harley Davidson at uh 20 26 and uh the lady I was with was surprised that I was still a virgin. oh but right. uh are you still
1: but, now or you're saying up to 26. Oh,
4: yeah 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 no not not now um okay. but yeah when I was uh 26 about um like 12 years ago okay yeah but um you know just grew up in the church and stuff like that but um like, like anyway but being um that in bed i was um uh married um maybe 8 years okay maybe eight, 8 years um and um you know just i guess um dating my wife mhm um um i mentioned that she was a sloppy kisser Okay, and uh, since since then, since you know beginning of our relationship, she wouldn't you know kiss me intimately. Mm,
0: she
4: would just okay. turn that yeah. She would just turn that off, even though that was something that I wanted or right. not. Just jokingly, just say hey, you you know you're a sloppy kisser. No, I didn't think much of it. Just playing. She uh-huh. totally, totally turned that off. I mean, uh-huh. right. She would not engage um, with that with me. Well, and, and, it, it's,
1: uh, and that can be that can be an it, it can be anywhere from how it was communicated to the fact that it was communicated, right? It it could have been how you said it, but it also could have been the fact that you had something to say, and and, and you never know. But uh, continue, go
4: ahead. Well, um, so let's say we um we got married, and um. You know, after um, the ceremony, you know, we went out party with our friends and I'm looking at my clock. Right. Because, hey, I know what's going to go down. We just got married. Right. 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 And so we finally get to the hotel and, you know, she's ready just to, you know, go to sleep and just, you know, she's so, you know, she's out of it. And so I had to I had to ask her, hey, um, aren't we supposed to, you know, have this, you know, initiated? have mm. this marital you know mm. encounter and you know uh she had to really kind of sigh and say okay <laughs> yeah let's 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 do this that's not a and good song. yeah Yes, yeah, it's, it's not a good sign so even that or even going to the honeymoon instead of um you know enjoying our time together during the honeymoon she'd rather watch um garbage um hotel program you know and i had to bring that up to her also you know um shouldn't we be um um you know spending our time you know with each other and whatnot because like i said i'm a late bloomer so Mm -hmm. but uh but to her um you know this wasn't really top of her 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 list Mm -hmm. yeah and and, um Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, go what ahead. would you say, what
1: would you say what would you say you learn from that experience um in terms of how you carry yourself now?
4: Oh my gosh. Well, um well, I would say that um, you know, being a nerd and um um a nerd with an edge, but um you know, you know, men we just Um, We were looking for that relationship. We're looking for that connection. We earn, we we, we just desire it. And so we will overlook a lot of things, you know, um, just to continue the relationship. Because, um, you know, um, instead of we're in that lack type of um, mindset. Okay. Okay. You know, so... Looking back, you know, seeing these um, red flags, you know, of um, she's not able to be intimate or there's a um, a lack there, you know, to, to walk away. But um, I, I'll, I'll say this um, this one last thing, being in an eight year re- relationship that's um, on a hiatus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to a lot of the times, like uh, foreplay, you get that once. And then you never get it again. You know? Okay. Or, okay. You know, oh one time encounter or or um lingerie, dressing up in lingerie. You get that once and never get it again. And it's just right. it's just sad. But I'll I'll let you go with that.
1: All right, man. Appreciate you coming through.
4: All right, thank you. Hey. Now look,
1: I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not a relationship counselor. I can say there are plenty of tools. If there are men out there that are experiencing what this brother just talked about experiencing years ago, there are plenty of tools, plenty of resources out there to to show you how to comport yourself, how to carry yourself, how to interact with women in different ways to get different results. Now, you know, the manosphere is full of that. I'm not here to do that because there's been plenty who have already done it and done it far better than I can. However, I can say at the same time, uh, when we're talking about this dynamic of, uh, and shout out to Malika, you know, right, this dynamic of a shared and mutual intimacy, right, and a give and take, an exchange of, of those kind of, of pleasures in the shared space, that in and of itself, you definitely have to have a willing partner. And and I'm what I'm ultimately saying is, in terms of the cultural framework that we operate in, it does not socialize women in particular to see men as you know someone to extend pleasure to rather someone that needs to give them pleasure what is it that april mason actually said she said at a particular point if you mention anything about doing something uh kind for the man they chose it's what is he going to do for me right that is the mentality so you know part of what men have to you know the terrain we have to travail is finding partners that are willing to have that kind of exchange and the willingness to participate in a particular ty- type of good faith, uh, and being very careful about vetting those kind of situations, especially long before you you end up married. So no judgment uh, on anybody. You know, feel free to come on up, uh, share your experiences. The question is, you know, how can Black men, you know, navigate this issue of intimacy? How can we even begin to talk about it and, and think about what we're experiencing differently? Uh, and we got uh, what looks to be uh, G money. G money is that is that what you're going by? Yeah, G
7: money. How you doing, good doctor?
1: I'm, I'm good, good, man. See What's going on with you?
7: Um, I'm good, man. I'm chilling. Uh, great show again. You know, on okay. the topic. Um, interestingly enough, you know, uh, I'm I'm guess I guess you could consider me kind of like a a nerd, kind of with a with a hood type of edge to me hmm um a little bit of a late boomer by black men's standards right. but this is this is what i realized like when you start uh having sex mm-hmm. and um and you i i think that a lot of these women even women of other cultures because i've dated women of other cultures mm-hmm. and that's why i appreciate that that ending that you that you say at the end of your show a lot of them see us kind of like, like, like walking fallacies, like as dildos.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: You know, mm-hmm. you, you pleasure them in bed and they stick around for, for a while. And that's pretty much all you are to them to, to some extent,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, kind of so inter- what I, interchangeable at that, right? Yeah. Um,
7: and uh, a lot of them, you know, I've had some good relationships, but a lot of them don't really have uh, much beyond uh, the sex. Uh, There's no good conversation, nothing good to talk about. They don't share the same interests that I have. And I have a I'm, I have a multitude of different interests outside of your your typical one-dimensional okay. interest that we're expected to to follow as, as black men. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like anime, I like comics, I like different types of things, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: A lot of times it's like, okay, let's get to the bedroom. That's that's what you're here to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so
7: and he had a brother, like about I think, uh, two or three calls before. Okay. Um, he made a he made a powerful statement. My advice to men, if you're ever in this situation about, about um, dating and it seems transactional, like with, with when you're dealing with a woman. Okay. Trust me, I've been in this situation. You don't need to go on dates with women to, to get them in the bedroom. If, yeah. if you find yourself in, in a situation where you're we're spending a lot of money going a lot of dates, mm-hmm. you, need, you need to leave that situation immediately. Okay, I mean, I'm not I'm not a dating coach or anything, mm-hmm. but it, it shouldn't take more than two or three dates to, if that's what your intention is, mm-hmm. you know, to you know get a, a woman into the bedroom. You know, I had to learn that the hard way, and you know, a, a lot of uh, what, what we have to be careful of as, as black men is to not be used as a wallet not to be used as a as a walking dildo
0: mm-hmm. you
7: know you, mm-hmm. you you're a person you're, you're a human being you know exactly you know, just like just like what they say to you just like what they say to you mm-hmm. oh you value me as being a woman you're, you're you're a human being as well you're a man as well mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. any relationship that you you find yourself in you need whatever your needs are you need to make sure your needs are being met
0: mm-hmm.
7: and I have a nonchalant attitude when it comes to relationships i have my goals my careers that i'm focused on and that's what drives me you know women you know i like the company in women but it's tertiary you know Mm -hmm. i'm not rushing being married i don't have any children you know um Mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of times like i'm not i'm not i don't have anything bad against the brothers that who focus just on sex but i notice i notice that not all the time but with these type of brothers they tend to be the stereotypical one dimensional type of brother, you know? Okay. You know, um I'm not I'm not saying that's in all cases, but that's what I've observed.
1: Okay. Well, look, man, so. I appreciate you coming up. Thank you for sharing that. Uh
7: thank you, Doctor.
1: All right man. Thank you, Pat. Right.
7: Um,
1: let's see. Let's go. we're gonna bring up uh I think it's Jamfar. I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh Jamfar, can you hear me?
8: Yes, I can hear.
1: You. Okay, um, is it is it jam far? How do you say that?
8: Yeah, it's jam far.
1: Okay, uh, what do you got? Some, what are your thoughts on this? We're talking about intimacy. We're talking about uh, social expectations of black men in bed. Uh, we're talking mm-hmm. about to what extent women are even socialized to think of men um, as far as pleasure, as far as the, you know, a, a, a human sexual engagement. What are your thoughts about any of this?
8: All right, thank you for having me on your show. Um, you know, when I think about the the topic, there's a saying that um it reminds me of. It's um basically it, it talks about how war is an extension of diplomacy and in a way I think sex is a extension of conversation in a way. Okay. You know, it's like um and that's how I, I usually think about it.
1: Okay. So when you um, say an extension of conversation, expound on it.
8: Communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a, a good portion of our conversation is nonverbal. It's it's you know, basically body language. Okay. So what would sex be? You know, and you have a situation where sometimes you have you know, it could be on both sides where. The woman is, is when they engage in sex, it's purely the sex, and it's not a conversation if okay. you follow what I'm saying okay. so it's it's no deeper meaning behind it
4: mm-hmm.
8: so it's it's rather shallow, and you'll notice when you engage in type of shallow conversations on both sides is like eventually if you you're talking to a person in in conversation and it's always the superficial conversation eventually you don't want to do it no more
0: okay you
1: know? well, uh, I would say, and i would say um first of all um it, it, if if two people don't want to have meaningful sex i ain't judging it is what it is sometimes people just want to have a physical expression i'm not judging it uh if it, if if a man does want something more meaningful uh, mm-hmm. you do have to and i'm going with this conversation narrative because i like the language you you are gonna have to cultivate that dialogue, cultivate that conversation, but and, and, but and that's what we're normally told, right? If, the, if if the experience is poor, the connection is poor, it's men's fault. So I take it one step further. You do, you are responsible for cultivating that, but we also have to accept that she may not be the one you can cultivate that with. You know what I mean? Especially with the culture we have. Again, I go back to April Mason. I go back to Rebecca Lynn Pope. I go back to Ayanna Van Zant. The cultural milieu that we're in particularly in the Black community, is not one that generally produces women that have an idea about wanting to, as you say, have a conversation more so than get something out of, whether it's monetary, whether it's sexual pleasure, she wants to get something out of uh, because it's your job to serve her. And, and, you know, she may even collect men like chess pieces or whatnot to, to get different things out of different men at different times. So I think the first thing is we have to decide you know, or any given man in a given equation has to decide what he wants. Uh, If it's just, you know, to hit, it is what it is. I'm not judging. If it's something deeper, then you're going to have to cultivate that, but she may not be the one to do that with, especially if that's not something that we promote in any kind of serious way. And I don't think we do. I mean, even when we talk about love and romance, a lot of the time it's still predicated, you know, from a very gynocentric perspective, it's all about her. In regard to love and romance or whatever you know what I mean, so we have to actually cultivate and show you you almost have to teach someone how to engage you, but if she's not right. willing to you know you 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 can leave you can get what you can get out of it and go but but you know you know we just have to kind of frame it differently but
8: go ahead, give us your, it's your just words. like in terms of teaching people like how you speak is i know there's a mentioning of uh love languages i'm not exactly sure about love languages and and all that but what i do know is that there is significant differences between how men and and how women think and in terms of that you're, you're trying to bridge the gap and mm-hmm. so that we could to develop a way of communicating between interpersonally between mm-hmm. each other that extends from actual conversation into, you know, physical, Mm -hmm. you know, and developing that is, um, is difficult and it's like, not as you mentioned, you can't develop it with every woman and not every woman is interested in that she might not have the capacity Mm -hmm. as the brother mentioned before, you know, there's, there's shallow women out there, Mm
0: -hmm.
8: you know, and i've experienced that it's like it's you know you get into a conversation and you realize there's no there there yeah all right and so it's like you're trying to teach her you know whenever you're trying to teach somebody it's like um in terms of personal growth people fail to success and that's my idea of it so as she tries to develop herself she's gonna fail (laughs) more likely and then that might you know dissuade you from continuing on you know it's like she's okay. gonna fail to eventually wherever she's trying to get to you know well, potentially.
1: and I think uh, and I appreciate you coming on thanks a lot man I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop you down but uh, thanks for coming in and dropping your thoughts on this All right. um, and I think you know in many ways again we have to be honest with ourselves about what we want in a given engage- engagement engagement I don't have any judgment one way or the other I don't care if you just want a one afternoon hit or if you want a marriage, appreciate that support, Henry. Whatever it is you want out of the equation, that has to be the beginning point. You got to be clear on what you want. But from there, um, you know, actually putting your humanity on the table in terms of, you know, saying, look, this is this, you know, this is what I am I want out of this engagement. We'll bring my boy Ian in. This will be the last guest for the night. What's up, brother Ian?
9: Peace, bro. How you doing?
1: I'm good man it's always good to hear from you how you doing
9: I'm well I'm well uh it's very refreshing topic you know it's a good topic needs to be said um the last caller you know kind of you know I I didn't know what to say but you know he brought out for me you know some of my personal experience I think you know some some summing up you know what the last caller and over I don't think that women necessarily have the intellect to understand that sex is a communication um of the self i think that women can communicate uh submission or non-submission but i don't think beyond that they are able to communicate the self in the same way that the man is is made in terms of intellect to do that okay and i so i think that's in a lot of ways why you know we are running into the problem with women because i I think i think i think in some degree we might expect too much you know Mm -hmm. unless we're able to teach them i don't I don't think that we can actually expect them to understand what that what it means to communicate through a, a a sexual relationship
1: when you when you say teach them, tell us what you mean
9: well uh experientially, I think um you know first, you know there has to be a foundational spirituality uh, okay. that connects the two of you you know there has to be a shared intimacy. Beyond like the brother said, beyond just what communication is because you know because you communication is mental, um, yes, yes sex is sex is mental, but I think sex even goes beyond the mental, and you know in a lot of ways, you communicate part of your essence and I think that's why you know when we when we get into uh, you know why it 's dangerous for children in a lot of ways to have sex early it's because it 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 it's a soul it's a it's a soul uh engaging uh event and activity mm-hmm. and and i think that you have to teach a woman to go deeper within her soul
0: mm-hmm.
9: because i think in a lot of ways women are not made as soulful as men i i mean really to be honest i really that's, that's just like the comedians you know were like uh the best comedians are men the best oh. singers are men the best the best creatives are men because men for whatever reason, you know, and I'm not trying to be massaging, I think just, but just historically, men are just more creative and are able to get more in touch on deeper levels, spiritually as well. And, and I'll give an, I'll give you a, 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 my own example. Okay. And I don't, don't want to be graphic or whatever, but I'm, I'm going to say this. I, you know, cause I'm a spiritual, I, you know, everything else, you know, I'm, you know, because the brother said, you know, if you just go after sex, you know, you're you're not well. I'm very well rounded, and sometimes I just I go after sex. You know, that's a, you know, that's the thing. You know, we're we're mm-hmm. animal, we're animals too. So,
0: mm-hmm. but
9: I had a particular girlfriend, right? And yeah. for whatever reason, I just decided, you know, because I was into qigong and 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 tai chi. I decided I wanted to send love through my phallus to her while we were having sex right okay i did it right
1: mm-hmm. she
9: started crying right and 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 the reason I, I know that i did it because she started crying immediately right but the confirmation was that she stopped she says oh she wanted to tell me why she was crying she says oh it's not that i'm hurting or anything it's just i felt the love come through you you see so mm-hmm. i think." I don't think that the average woman is able to get there, to that place, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a meaningful way in terms of communication, sexual. I think it takes the man, you know, just in, in, in every other way, I think it takes the man to, to really teach her what sex means in terms of communication. And I, and I, don't, I don't think we can actually expect it. The culture is, is bad at teaching them the wrong way, but I, think, I don't think we can expect it even just hands down. Even if the culture has not done the job on it.
1: Well, wait, look, so on the average date that you may have had in the last, let's say, five years, mm-hmm. um, do you find that you meet women that whether they know as much or, or are comfortable as expressing themselves sexually as well as you are, have you found them willing to engage it, willing to try it, willing well, to well,
9: I'm gonna say open this
1: for I, something different.
9: I, I met Dion Fair, you know Dion Fair is the singer, right? I, I met her I met her at a club over here in Atlanta, right? Okay. So after the after the club was after the club was over, because I was eating some um some raw coconut and she was just, you know, eyeballing me for a while and she wanted some of my cold coconut. I didn't know who she was at that point. So I gave her some of my coconut. She was like, What's that? You know, you know how they do or whatever. <laughs> you know. <All> right. <laughs> so so we end up talking for about two two or three hours after the after everything was shut down you know we were outside she was getting eaten by mosquitoes we stood out there so we had a real connection right Mm -hmm. so the next day right i text her like i i text her some kind i i said you know i told her how i felt i i i said i i had an orgasmic kind of experience with you with, with her like just an overall because, because, like I said, she she didn't understand what I I said orgasm, and all she thought about was this was a sexual thing. Because mm-hmm. her response was to that, right, was that you don't control me, as as if I was trying to to mentally because I me mean, because because there was already a connection and she was open to me, she mm-hmm. saw it as if I was trying to seduce her, physically, you know, okay. and all I was just doing was expressing how I felt overall as a human being, you know, through our connection and through our presence.
1: So you're saying just just through the dialogue, you felt an energetic sexual connection that didn't necessarily need to be, it wasn't necessarily an, an intention to be physical. You weren't trying to seduce her. You were just saying in the in the engagement, yes. there, was a, there was an energy between you and you're saying she didn't understand that.
0: Yes, yes,
9: I was just telling her I appreciated ah. that. She made me feel that way. That's all I
1: said. and she took it as you were trying to make it physical. Yes yeah. which in and of itself is not an inherent bad, you know what I mean? It's not an inherently bad thing if're if you were right. trying to make it physical. right. There's nothing wrong with that. so that, I find that interesting in and of itself, but you know the idea that she couldn't accept that you actually in, just appreciated the engagement that I find interesting. Yes, I mean, that's not something you're capable of because you have to just want to hit it. So that's the only reason you're going here. I see. But
9: my, but my, but my thing is, is that she's a creative, and I'm like, how are you creative? And you've been in that field all this long, and what I said is something that throws you off. I'm like, that doesn't make sense.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder if it's if it's really a matter of they can't do it or. If they've been socialized to believe that you're not going to bring anything of substance to the table, you're just going to bring raw penis. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might try to get her for a few dollars. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) the base level of expectation for many black men is is, is often very, very low as far Mm -hmm. as how women perceive us. So I'm wondering to what extent, you know, she didn't even entertain that you might bring something that may challenge her entire worldview. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, in a good way—in a, in way, a good way that benefited her. Yeah. Right? So I'm not, you know, I'm—I I'm, I'm, won't get on the all women kind of thing, but I will say I do think. But again, I go back to the culture. I think the culture we're talking about—the very culture that April Mason is responding to, that Rebecca Lynn Pope is responding to—the the culture that Black men have been responding to for decades or generations, and we've been trying to talk about to no avail. I think the culture we're talking about doesn't promote for black women that black men may actually want something of substance, may be willing to extend something of substance, mm-hmm. maybe beyond your experience. Yes, yet. yes. And, and, and so I, I hear where you're going with that, where you know she's not, she's not even expecting that you have something to say. Yes. She's, that, may, that really even may challenge her to grow. Right. The right. basic expectation is that you're less than. Mm-hmm. and so you know so she's framing this all from her experience so i think i see where you're going with that yes um, any last uh final statements before we-
9: well yeah so so you know i think maybe like a week or two later she mm-hmm. was like oh let's try it again but i was done because i'm like you're, you're not there you know <laughs> mm-hmm. like she she realized that she was too harsh in her response you know mm. she realized that you know
1: so you um, did? You, did you think that she was somebody you could have of taught, or you uh, think she was unwilling?
9: No, she, she like I said, I think to some degree, I I think to some degree, if if you if you show, I think to some degree, what the issue is, if you show an uh, uh, an ability to be more intimate, mm-hmm. and then them, that is intimidating.
0: Mm, okay.
9: Okay. So I so I think what she had to do was check her pride to some degree, she was like, because of a lot of women relationships I've been in, I had to teach a lot of the women how to love and how to be more loving. I did. I mean, just to be honest, I had to do that for a lot of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can say any brother standing on a street corner eating a coconut, you, you might have to go into it thinking, I'm gonna learn something here. I'm gonna learn something here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> Well, look, man, I appreciate you coming up here. I appreciate you coming up, man. You take it easy.
9: Hey, appreciate you. Love you, bro. Be be, good. Be good, okay? Peace. All right, peace.
1: (laughs) Look, I appreciate you guys uh, engaging uh, because this was very much a conversation I wanted to have, uh, more so than a lecture. It's something I wanted to get back from you all on because uh, these are things I'm reflecting on and I'm curious to what extent other men are experiencing them. And so I really do appreciate the, this audience that I have here and the willingness y'all have to engage. I definitely want to hear more. If you guys have to uh, have uh, to contribute to the comment section, please do. Um, I do read my comments as long as YouTube tells me they're there. Um, the only time I don't is when YouTube doesn't. So to that extent, I want to hear your thoughts about this, because I really think uh, we have to actually have a different conversation, especially, not only in terms of gender in, the, in, a, in a national context, but also in, a, in, a, uh, in the, within the Black community, in an intra-racial context. We need to have these conversations because, you know, the legacy of how uh, Black masculinity has been presented to the world um, is highly problematic. And I think we've internalized a lot of that in some very dangerous ways on a variety of levels. Um, now, there are plenty of people talking about all kinds of levels as far as that, but I'm interested at this moment in actually finding out if black men can actually uh, extend uh, uh, something on the conversation as far as uh, intimacy. right? Intimacy beyond the surface and actually be heard. Actually be, and, and I don't mean heard, but just listened to, you know, beyond just the hearing act of it. You understand what I mean? I want to know if black men can extend that and actually have women in good, uh, of good faith hear it. And y'all have those conversations beyond the surface, right? So we can actually get to a point where we're, we're, we're not just dealing with men coming in the door and being expected to blow her mind or fail at it. And that's the end of the dynamic. Can't go further. Can there be a mutually exchange, a a mutual exchange in intimacy that is not just about her? I'm just curious. Y'all let me know. But I appreciate y'all coming. Y'all have a good one. Y'all know what it is. I will see you soon as far as the Onyx report is concerned. And if you have any other subjects of interest, uh, feel free to shoot them to me um, and I will uh, potentially engage them. If you become a Diamond member, you can actually shoot me subjects subjects that I will do a show on. But other than that, y'all have a good night. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, Valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you and remember. Your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic and selfish and unrealistic needs. You define your worth.
0: Peace.